Hello and welcome to Band in Boston. This is a podcast where I and a special guest visit a famous Boston landmark, a location, a thing to do. And then we come together and talk about it and figure out whether or not there are any fun things to do here in the city of Boston. I am your host, Stephen Furda. Thrilled to be back in the Band in Boston studios, a.k.a. The Bunker. Uh, coming down the wire here. We're almost done with this season, and then the show's done forever, and I couldn't be more excited. Let me introduce my guest. She's with us all the way from Hong Kong. She's wearing a terrific hat. (laughs) Thank you. Please give a warm welcome to Alyssa Geisler. How's it going, Alyssa? It's good. I am just in a food coma right now. Yeah, same here. That's definitely the... The lowest energy I've had during the intro. I can feel my eyes sort of Yeah, going. like, I made sure to actually have coffee before I came yeah. out, because I was like, I don't want to be, like, high energy, and I feel like it just totally... It didn't work. It Well, it just, it was working before, but now it's just the opposite effect is happening. Yeah, now you're just crashing. Yeah. All right, well, I wanted to start off our conversation uh, by saying that back, I want to say, freshman year... You told me a a health-related story that has haunted me to this very day <laughs> really? and has become especially relevant in the past couple of days, <laughs> and it involves your appendix. Oh my god, yeah. I, I was going to say, I can't think of what it was. I, for some reason, what came to mind is I used to... um. I, this is, I don't know if I ever actually did tell you this, but in high school, I used to, I have really bad anxiety, and I used to actually, like, I used to stress vomit, and, and I thought that that's what you were talking about, I was like, I don't remember telling him that. What does that entail, it, just any time you were nervous? Like, it would just be, like, in extreme cases of nervousness, I just had, like, a lot of anxiety in high school, and I didn't sleep very well, and so, like, if for some reason I was really, like, scared about an exam, usually, or something like that, or, like, band class um, I would like I'd start getting really bad stomach aches throughout the day and then suddenly when it would like build up and build up I would go into the bathroom I was like I feel really really sick and then I'd, I'd like I'd throw up a little bit it was oh, really shit. it was really bad yeah but I'm over that now I graduated high school and I've never really had that issue since well, so. that's good I would not want to come to college with that <laughs> yeah. that would not be a fitting start yeah. imagine orientation with stress oh. vomiting oh my god well I don't know I if everyone had it Hooray would just be the most disgusting <laughs> event. Oh my god, yeah, because that was just a ton of anxiety. I don't know, but I think that you do know that in, instead of stress vomiting, I, I stressed could not poop. So, like, it was just the total opposite instead. You know, I, I went a full, like, 180 when I came to college. Like, new, new life, new me. Instead of vomiting, I just don't poop. <laughs> what was it, like, weeks at a time? Oh, I, like, didn't poop for the first month. Like, I, I shit you not, also, no pun intended, but maybe oh, a little gosh. bit. No, I remember because, like, Owen called me out, or no, it was Cameron called me out. I, like, pooped in your guys' suite because I would get really bad stomach aches because I had a nervousness about pooping in the shared bathrooms sure. that they had in, like, our dorm. And so, like, I would wake up at 3 a.m. so that I could, like, go poop by myself, but then someone would always come in, and so I just had so much stress that I couldn't do it. And then one day, the feeling came over me, and I was like, I have to do it now, or I'm never going to do it never again. Never going to do it again. And yeah. so I, like, went into your seat, and I just did it, and I was like, oh, my God, I feel so relieved. And I walked out, and Cameron was right there, and he goes, 
oof, Alyssa, and like call me out. And I literally oh. like just burst out. And I was like, you don't understand, Cameron. Like I haven't pooped in a month and like I've been hurting. And like I just went on this whole rampage at him. And then it gets really quiet. And then Owen just goes, ooh, that doesn't sound healthy, man. <laughs> and I was like, I know. You're, you, in that story, you touched on so many of my worst fears. Yeah. I mean, I won't even use the P word because I'm so anti-talking about it. Uh, I but love talking myself, about It seems like most people do. Yeah. And they always think I'm weird when I, I, I just don't like that kind of talk. I understand. I think that's weird. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why. It's mm. probably a, a deep-seated thing. Uh, but alright so before I forget you have to tell this appendix story because I'm not kidding it changed me really okay irreparably okay um well yeah sorry I just clearly have a lot of issues with my stomach so it causes me to go on many different tangents (laughs) because it's just connected to so much in my life but um so basically what happened was um my parents really wanted me to be fluent in Mandarin by the time I graduated high school. So to kind of like kick it up a notch by the time I was... A classic request. Yeah. Oh yeah, because they're parent. like, China's going to take over the world in 50 years. If you can speak Chinese, like you're safe. They won't kill you. And I was like, you're right, mom and dad. Thank you for giving me survival skills that I need. I don't know how to build a fire or make a tent, but goddamn, do I know how to speak Chinese. So like, um... I think it was the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of high school, I'm pretty sure, or maybe sophomore and junior, one of those. But um, so I did like an immersion program where me and one of my friends were living in Shanghai with a Chinese family and we had like a lady who took us around, her name was Rainy, she was super lovely. And so I was supposed to like live and breathe Chinese for a month straight and it was supposed to like help me out a ton, which it definitely did. But um. What happened was, this was something that actually happened twice before, like a couple months, I would get really, really bad stomach pains, and I think I just like, I I guess I have a high pain tolerance, or I just don't really like to complain to my parents, and so like, I had to stay home from school, and I was vomiting really bad, and my mom's like, oh, well like, you don't have a fever, so you just must have eaten something funny, and then it would go away the next day, and the next month the same thing happened. So this was like the third time it started happening. And, um, like, the family starts getting really nervous, but I'm, like, assuring them, because, like, I'm throwing up, and I'm, like, sweating, and I'm just feeling so sick, and it hurts yeah. so bad in my stomach, and um, everyone's kind of worried, but I was like, no, it's totally fine, like, this happened, this has been happening recently, like, it'll just be, it'll go away in a day, I just might need to take a sick day, and, like, stay in bed, and, like, luckily, the family was like, we don't want to be liable for anything that happens to you. Like, we've signed paperwork and stuff like that. Like, we don't want your parents to sue us. Um, we know your dad's white, so, like, we're really screwed. Um, a great reason to take care yeah, of someone. Exactly. They're like, oh, we got to take you to the hospital. And so um, they eventually do the next morning, and because um, I'm still in pain, and, like, I'm running a fever, and I just couldn't sleep. Oh, side note, I think I told you this. In the middle, I had eaten Korean barbecue that night, and then in the middle of the night, I got up, and I was like, I need to throw up. And there's a tiny, um, a really, really small bathroom. And so if you're literally standing at the doorstep, like the like entrance, I guess, to the bathroom, yeah. the toilet is right in front of you, like like a foot away. And so I get to the to the like threshold and I immediately just projectile vomit. Oh. But it went into the toilet and like I really <laughs> didn't get much on the floor. And in my like confused state I was like wow this is a life accomplishment I will tell my grandchildren about this moment like this is truly an achievement yeah the best chunder I have ever done (laughs) 
And um, so, yeah, they take me to the hospital. Like, I have to get blood tests done and, like, ultrasounds. And, like, all sorts of things are happening. And, no, like, I, I spoke pretty good Chinese, but you don't know hospital Chinese that well. Like, I can tell them, like, oh, like, my stomach hurts. And, like, that's it. And so um, it was just really worrying. Um, and then they came back, and they're like, oh, yeah, you have appendicitis. Like, your appendix is about to burst. And I was like, wait, seriously? And they're like, yeah, you've had it for a long time. Um, you need surgery within 24 hours, or you will die. And I was like oh cool sounds good and so I like call my parents luckily my dad was over in like Suzhou which isn't too far away from Shanghai yeah so he like was like okay I'm getting in a car right now like I'm gonna drive over I should be there in a couple hours to like take care of you um, I'm gonna research to make sure you're in a really good hospital and like I'll call your mother don't worry about it and um, also we had a family friend who was living in Shanghai at the time so they came to take care of me in the meantime which was really nice and um, my mom was actually, like, so stressed about it that, like, when she packed her bag and arrived, there was nothing in her bag except for one t-shirt and five shoes. <laughs> like, not even, like, it's not, like, five pairs of shoes, just, like, five shoes. So, like, one was yeah. missing. And so she's just, like, out of her mind, like, freaking out. And she's like, we need to fly her to Hong Kong because, like, the hospitals in China are pretty sketchy. Like, I don't trust it. And they're like, you can't fly back because it'll, like, put too much pressure, and it'll probably burst while you're in the airplane, and then, like, done so, dead. I'm yeah, like, oh, sick. A mile-high death club. Oh, yeah. Well, like, where would they bury my body, though? You know that, like, whole thing where if you're on the border, like, where would you bury the survivor? Like, where would you bury my body? At sea, I hope. I would like to be buried at sea if that was the case. But, um, but yeah, so, like, it's just all super, super crazy, um, really stressful, and they actually pushed back my surgery, like, six hours, they delayed it, and I'm like, you're telling me I have 24 hours to live, and you're, like, pushing back my surgery, like, fuck you, whatever, and, um, so my dad was sitting in the room with me, and finally he's like, you know what, like, I'm really sorry, I haven't eaten anything today, I'm gonna go out and get something to eat, and with, like, the nurses outside, the staff, he's like, hey, I'm gonna go downstairs and get something, um, here's my phone number, if my daughter goes into surgery, please call me so I can be there, and then, like, literally as soon as he left, they come in with, like, the, the thing and put me on it. And they're like, okay, time for your surgery. And I'm, like, trying to tell them. I'm like, no, like, my dad has to be here. Like, call my dad. And, like, they're like, nope, let's go. And so I go down into the room and I'm like, oh, I'm so scared because, like, no one's there. And they start, like, putting stuff, like, into the IV that I'm attached to. And then, you know, you have those thoughts where, like, you've heard those things about when people go, like, under surgery. But, the, like, anesthetic doesn't work so you're awake or, yeah. like, in stuff like that. And I was like, oh, yeah. God. And then um, the worst part is they're trying to explain the surgery to me. And this woman is, like, they put, like, a hat on my head for some reason, this weird hat. And she's like, oh, I'm putting the, the, and I said, like, the Chinese word for hat is, like, maozi. I was like, oh, maozi. And she goes, oh, you speak Chinese. And then just explained the whole surgery in Chinese to me. And I was like, shit, I really messed that one up. And so I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And, um... Oh, yeah, my parents, they, like, wouldn't accept card. My parents had to get money for the surgery in cash. They had to, both of them, go to different ATMs and withdraw as much as they could. So, did they have to do that before they would do the surgery? Or, or I don't think so. Me? I think they okay. were still going to well, help that's me. Good. Also, I had, like, the six hours, so I think my parents managed to get the money before yeah, I technically I went so. in anyways. Yeah. But, like, I don't know, it was a lot, and I know they offered to my dad. They're like, okay, so, like, two options. Um, either we do the big cut but very cheap, very good. <laughs> or we get two tiny ones, but more expensive. And my dad goes, what the hell? What kind of question is that? The tiny one, like, screw you, this is my daughter. 
And, um, but yeah, luckily my dad managed to make it in time right before I went in, like, to go under. And, like, um, so, you know, he's like, oh, don't worry about it, it's totally fine. But my dad told me apparently during the surgery, because he was standing out there the whole time, it wasn't a long procedure, um, the doctor all of a sudden, like, stands up, like, you know, like, straightens up, and he, like, walks out to speak with my father, and my dad's like, oh my god, something went wrong, like, what's gonna happen, and he's freaking out. And then the guy is just, like, holding his hands together, and then he opens his hands, and inside his hands is my appendix. And he goes, do you want to keep it? <laughs> I hope he kept it. No, my dad goes, no, I don't want it. Which isn't fair. My dad, when he had um, surgery for his, like, gallbladder stones, yeah. he got to keep those. I didn't get my appendix. I'm pissed. <laughs> but Too bad you were anymore. under. Otherwise, you, yeah. would, you definitely would have held on to yeah, it. Yeah, I would have held on to it. It would be, like, on display in my home right now. Like, really... <laughs> Yeah, really cool, like, you base. would bring it with you everywhere. Oh, it'd be like my lucky rabbit's foot. Keep it in your carry-on. <laughs> now, here's the thing about that story. The part that always stuck with me was mm-hmm. the, I'm going, if I don't get this fixed in 24 hours, I will die part. Not the part where it's like months of you in pain before you realize oh, you're yeah. in yeah. I'm so glad I had you retell it because I feel so much better now. Yeah. Because I live... I've been living my life under the specter of, like, <laughs> what if this stomachache is the, the appendicitis one, and then that's it, I'm done. No, like, you'll know, because I've had several people ask me before, with like, you know, my stomach's been hurting a lot lately, like... Like, I, I had, like, a little pain, like, right around here where I oh, assume yeah. the appendix is. Well, nothing even so bad that I couldn't, like, go about my business. It was... Pain is a strong word, more like sensation. Oh. And I... Not even kidding. I'm sitting on this couch and I'm like, oh, this could be it. <laughs> Patrick comes out of his room and I'm like, Patrick, have you had appendicitis? <laughs> I, that's that's how worried just I was. Just like, just like, call me up next time. But yeah, because yeah. several people have come up to me and they're like, oh, like I've been getting pains. Like, oh, what does it feel like when you have appendicitis? I go, you can't. You literally can't move. It feels like someone stabbed you in the in like that kind of the left lower part of your stomach and then is t- slowly twisting a knife. I was like, trust me, like. You kind of know when you have appendicitis. I think I was kind of stupid for not realizing that I had appendicitis. <laughs> like, honestly, like, I can't believe that that did not come to mind. Especially since there was a girl in my grade, actually, who had appendicitis, like, a month before I did. Yeah. So, like, it's not like it was just like, oh, I've never thought of this as an option. But, yeah, the worst part, actually, was is that in the surgery, apparently it burst a bit. And so afterwards, for I was hospitalized for a week, and I had this tube with, like, this weird, like, plastic thing attached to it. It was, like, like a weird jar case kind of thing and it was just like draining all the, like the fluids that had like leaked out and then this guy once a day would come by and he'd take the tube that was still in my like stomach and he'd just push it along and it was the most painful thing ever uh-huh. and like once again because this is China when I had to get it removed like no anesthetic whatsoever my mom had to leave the room because she's like I can't I can't deal with this and he's like okay like time to go and he like pulled it out of me and then like stitched me up real quick and I was screaming in pain like I've never cussed someone out like that before <laughs> like you like it was just so bad and I was really really glad that his English was not that good because I would have felt really really guilty afterwards but yeah I'm glad that me telling you like a more in-depth version oh yeah you've set me so of... much at ease oh, okay you good. definitely you definitely told me all that the last time but it was so long ago that mm-hmm. recently all I can think about is the you know 24 hours part. Yeah, because that was pretty freaky to me. I was like, yeah. what, like 15, 16 years old? But also, I, I don't know anyone who's died of appendicitis. Like, I've never Houdini. Really heard of... Houdini yeah. died. 
That's a special case, I think. Yeah, no one has been, like, punching me in yeah. the stomach, and then, like, I don't want to feel like I'm, oh, I can't say anything because I'm a magician. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's, like, oh, it's such a relief. We could maybe end right here. <laughs> um, the end, my anxieties over that and my worries. But, so... I've known you pretty much since the, my first week here. Am I your day one? Isn't that what they call it? I think that's what they... You'd be like a day... At least a day two or three. Wow. I'm pretty sure it was day one because I came over to your suite after I went to the DH. We may have not talked, but we said hello. No, I, I distinctly remember you were wearing overalls and you had the glass, oh the round God. glasses. Yeah. And I was like, oh, here we go. Oh my God. Wait, really? What was <laughs> yeah. your first impression of me? Because I actually know recently because I, I switched my glasses now. And um, that was like a thing that just happened this year because my mom was like, Alyssa, you've been wearing those glasses for two years now. Like, it's getting kind of stale. And I was like, oh, shit. Savage. <laughs> yeah, no, my mom's a savage, but I love it. And so I, when I started trying to transition these and incorporate them in more, like, um, my flatmate Andy was, like, straight up, like, bring Andy, been yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, a past special, special yeah. guest, you know. Um, that's actually why I got invited. It's just because I'm connected to her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, yeah, she uh, she was like, bring brown glass Alyssa, glasses Alyssa back. Like, what is this? Like, I refuse to acknowledge you. Well, but, uh, you know, actually, my mom has been pushing real hard for me to get new glasses. And I'm like, you don't understand. This is a part of my face. Yeah, also, like, it's, if like, I change it's in the logo. Up, I'm a new guy. It is in the it's logo. It's in the logo for this podcast. Like, you can't do it because then people are going to be like, well, who's the host yeah. of this podcast? Then? Yeah, it at least has to stay until I'm done with the podcast, but yeah. I really, the only, I don't want to get new glasses until I'm ready to move on from these. Yeah. It's like, this is like a certain phase of my life mm-hmm. that was ushered in with these glasses. Mm-hmm. Like, I started wearing these when I came to college. Yeah. So. You sound like a Childish Gambino with, like, what he was talking about with, like, the name Childish Gambino, that he's like, yeah. it's a certain phase of my life, you know? And I like, am a lot like Childish Gambino. I mean, like, that's why we're friends, because. Yeah. But, yeah, you were sitting on the couch in the overalls and glasses, and I was just like, oh, here we go. But then, from that point on, like... Okay, I'm glad that I only went up. Once we actually spoke, I just did a real quick snap judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to hear your first impression of me. Okay. Like, yeah. I think I've told this to you before, I, and, like, I don't know, I... Um, I think I, yeah, you, like, walked in, and you were very quiet, but you were polite, and you, like, you know, you said hello, and then kind of immediately made a beeline for your room, and I was, like, I kind of already had the idea, I was, like, I think I'm gonna be hanging out here quite often, at least in the foreseeable future, I didn't realize it would be, like, a full two years, (laughs) I don't think I saw that far ahead, (laughs) forever, forever, for the rest of my life, but, um, no, yeah, I was like, I think we'll be hanging out here for a bit, and I was like, and I'm gonna work really hard to make him my friend. Hey. Yeah, no, because I was like, I want him to be my friend, and I want to overcome this obstacle of him not wanting anything to do with me, and I don't know, just, <laughs> that's just me, though, like, for real, like, I'll see people, and I'll set out a mission, I was like, you're gonna be my friend. Well, I, I think I knew that on the first, I totally knew that on the first couple nights, I was, like, the weird member of, like, the six people who lived there. I could mm-hmm. tell they thought of me as the weird one. I mean, like, maybe other people did. I never thought of you as weird, I just thought of you as, like, very very shy reserved yeah yeah Yeah. very like reserved and so I kind of yeah I also know that I can come across quite strong sometimes (laughs) um I don't know I think sometimes like either I'm very very shy or I'm just too much and so like I was I was like oh since he's very reserved like I don't want to come on 
too strong in him think that like I'm a crazy person and he like is a result will like push back even farther so it was very like um push and pull with you um <laughs> people always tell me it that. was it was pretty romantic in my opinion but whatever that might have just been me feeling those things that was <laughs> definitely just you oh cool <laughs> glad to know my love was one-sided <laughs> I'm curious uh what were your first impressions of Boston, mm-hmm. and have they changed at all over time? Hmm. Oh, that's, like, a good question. Very on theme for this podcast. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad that you keep with your brand. Yeah, of course. Um, I don't know. I think my first impression of Boston, I actually have an aunt who lives in um, Acton. So I mm. think I'd been to Boston. I also actually did an internship in Cambridge at Vertex, a pharmaceutical company. So I've been to Boston before, I've been to Cambridge, but like, I thought at first, I was like, oh, this is nice, because I know another option I was considering was New York, and I thought that because I was moving back to the U.S. after having not lived here for so long, I was very scared of diving in too deep, and so I was like, I feel like this is a place that's like a good balance, and like, it's a, it's a college town and everything like that, so I think I was very hopeful in comparison to a lot of people. Right. I think it definitely dipped down for a bit, I think second year, like, when you kind of get cabin fever from living in the dorms, because, like, Emerson's, like, what, like, a block? Yeah. And there's, like, everything you need, so, of course, why would you venture out if you don't want to? It's so convenient. So I think that that's when it went down, and I was like, Boston's a I still think Boston's a pseudo-city. It shouldn't be called a city. Oh, it's, it's just not a very a city. Yeah, it's a very big town. Everything yeah. closes at 11. Like, it's a pseudo-city. But, like, I don't know. I think it's went up a bit now that I live off campus and I live farther away, and I'm like, wow, there's more to do... But still, at the same time, I find myself sometimes a bit, um, dr- like, more drawn to focus on its, like, shortcomings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, as you can imagine, it's <laughs> a lot. But that's something I actually hadn't considered, the value of living off campus. Because mm-hmm. every day you have to travel somewhere. Even if it is just to school and yeah. back. Like, at least you're you're not stuck in the same zone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because in the... Between piano row. <laughs> yeah, especially because in the wintertime, like, you don't want to go anywhere. and mm-hmm. uh, it's You think it's a blessing that you only have to walk those five minutes to your class. But I don't know. It is sort of nice to get out there and feel the breeze. Yeah. And I mean, like, I thought commuting would be really hard just because of the weather, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I don't know, I've, I'm really used to public transport. I've always grown up in, a, like, a big city. So, like, I, I love taking the train, actually. But, um, yeah, I was like, it's going to be so cold, and I really hate the cold. But I realized, like, it's a five-minute walk from my apartment to the train station, and then it's, like, a two-minute walk from the train station to my class. So yeah. I'm adding on, like, five, like less than five minutes of extra exposure to the outdoors so it's really not that terrible and you're right like even me just going to class and then going straight home I'm like wow I've been so productive today like I commuted for like 30 minutes like wow I've done like a lot (laughs) now you live at one of the outdoor tea stops Mm -hmm. how often does that become a problem where you're just standing there waiting and waiting I mean like I don't know I think because I'm lucky where I'm on the sea line I mean earlier I was telling you about that I love the sea line as much as you could love something on the green line, I guess, which isn't a lot. I kind of, I hate the tea. But um, it, it sucks. The part that I'm most annoyed about, actually, is the um, 
there's like two sides of the track, right? Obviously, and one of them's yeah. going towards Cleveland Circle, the other one's going towards Emerson, or usually wherever I have to go. I'm never going to Cleveland Circle, but the side going to Cleveland Circle is the only one that has those like glass boxes with like the bench and everything. I don't know what they're called. Yeah, the little hubs. Yeah, yeah, where you can like sit and be sheltered from like wind, rain, and snow. And, like, the side that I'm always taking doesn't have anything on it, and so that's the only thing that is a problem. Also, that, like, I forgot it rains in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> it rains quite a bit. Yeah. It's a rainy town. I don't know why, because I was, like, I guess uh, it's because I just finished the rainy season back home in Hong Kong, so there's, like, so much rain, and when I was packing to go to Boston, I was, like, ha, oh, like, done with this raincoat and umbrella and everything, like, I don't need this you, like, anymore. break your umbrella and huh? Yeah, I was, like, it only snows there, and so, like, <laughs> literally just the other day, it was pouring, and I don't have a rain jacket, I don't have an umbrella, and I was just, like, I guess I'm just gonna get really wet today and, like, stand out waiting for the train for, like, ten minutes. Yeah. In, like, yeah. the pouring rain. Um, so, we should probably get talking about Yume Wo Katare, oh, the yeah. topic of today's episode. <laughs> uh, for me, I've been hearing about Yume Wo Katare since long before I moved to Boston, years before. Um, and it's been on my list to hit before I leave, and so I'm glad we finally made it there. Mm-hmm. Um I guess I should explain to the uninitiated what Yume Wokatari's whole deal is, because there aren't really, a, as far as I know, there aren't a lot of restaurants like this one, mm-hmm. unless you know otherwise. I don't think I've ever been to, like, I think I've been to some quirky restaurants, but nothing with, like, that kind of style, I guess. Right. Nothing. Well, okay, so when you go into any ramen restaurant, or most ramen restaurants, there's mm-hmm. usually a, a fair amount of yelling. Yeah. Like, people like to yell when you come in. Yeah. is literally always every single ramen shop I've been into, right. even if they're not Japanese, and it's funnier if they're not. <laughs> yeah. But at Yume Wokatare, they take it to the next level. Essentially, well, oh, I don't even know where to begin. So the restaurant looks like a classroom. Yeah. There are three rows of uh, tables. Yeah, they're like bench style almost. Even they have your own chair, but it's like a long bench and they're all facing forward. Right, and you're facing the chef who's working in an open kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, And the restaurant basically functions as a whole... It's a community. It's a communal experience. All the diners are dining together, even if you show up alone. Mm. I think that's maybe a good way to put it. Yeah, because I know they're, like, we work in a rose system, and so they don't let you in unless you, like, go in with a whole bunch of people to fill in one of the three rows that they have. Right. Um, which is not something I've ever experienced before. Yeah, that was my first time as well. Also, the rows only have five seats. That's a weird number. Mm-hmm. It should be six. I agree, because, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I personally don't really think that many people eat out by themselves. I personally don't like to do it. Yeah. Because we discussed this. We both have anxiety over food. Yeah. And, like, God, I don't know, going to a movie theater and eating by myself in a restaurant are, like, two things I don't think I'll ever do. Even, like, literally if I'm in between classes, I'll buy a Subway sandwich and I'll find somewhere in the library to sit, like, and eat my sandwich so I'm not just, like, sitting in a Subway alone eating a sandwich. (laughs) Well, like, movies alone I'll do. Food alone, if there's a waiter involved, it's real hard. Oh, yeah. Because you can just tell the waiter wants to coddle you. And make you feel better, even if you feel fine and you just don't feel like 
or you can't find someone to have dinner with on that yeah. particular evening. Which now that I'm saying it, it sounds really sad. <laughs> but I would say when I was sitting in Yuma Mokhtar, there were a lot of solo diners, or at least a few, mm-hmm. from what I could tell. And I feel like this is a really inviting space where it wouldn't be so bad to eat alone. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, you walk in, they they yell, they're excited. You sit down, and then as soon as we got in there, uh, there's more yelling, and they go, okay, we have a dream teller. And this guy stands up, and he tells the entire restaurant what his dream is. Yeah, his name and his dream. Yeah. This is essentially what makes this restaurant special, is that they're real dream-focused. All the seats have written on it, like, what are you doing for your dream today? Yeah, or like, like, I support your dream. Yeah. I'm hungry for dream. Like, stuff like that. <laughs> I, that was one of them. I saw one of them said that. Um, so... I must admit, like, we hadn't even sat down yet, and this guy was standing up and telling his dream. And I knew that the dream thing existed, but I was like, oh, man, (laughs) this is going to be a whole thing. I don't think I'm going to like this. How did you feel when this guy first started? Yeah, like, because you told me about it ahead of time, and obviously, like, that's, like, the draw to it. It was like, oh, this is really cool. Um, Like, yeah, I'd be super down for that. And then, I don't know, I think also, like, the reality suddenly sunk in that, like, I don't like speaking in front of people that often, like, big groups of people, especially strangers. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, like, I I gotta do it. Like, this is the reason that we came, almost. And, like, yeah, that this guy is, like, shouting. Everyone's like, yeah. And they turn off the music when they they do it. They turn off the music. He, like, makes an announcement. He's like, music off. And then, like, turns it off. And then, like, they, you have to stand up, and everyone, like, claps, and they're like, yeah, good dream. And I was just like, wow, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um... And then we sit down, and another guy stands up, and he's an employee mm-hmm. at the restaurant. And he, t- he says, I'm going to tell you guys my dream, but first, I'm going to tell you my story. <laughs> and he starts talking about how he started coming to this place, and the first time he stood up and he yelled his dream out, which was to quit his job. Because mm, he was like working in finance, and he just wasn't happy. Yeah, and then a week later, he quit his job. And I guess ever since, he's, this has been his philosophy, is dream yelling. Yeah. Um, and so after that guy spoke, I was like, oh, this is actually really sweet. Mm. I kind of like this. Then a little kid stands up, and he says his dream, uh, which is to become a YouTuber. Oh, and yeah. He's like, this is so cool. <laughs> so immediately, I was on board. I love the way it looks inside, and... Everyone's so happy to be there. Okay, now I feel bad because, like, I was just about ready to shit on that, like, eight-year-old kid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let him have it. (laughs) Well, I don't know. It's just, like, he's like, and my dream is to become a YouTuber. And I'm like, no, that's not the, is this the generation we live in where young children are aspiring to? And he's like, and, like, they're like, well, what kind of videos do you want to make? Or the guy was like, what kind of movies? Yeah. And he goes... I want to make uh, Minecraft videos. And I was like, I want to die right now. <laughs> well, yeah, it's definitely not my dream. But it was yeah. cool to see the little no, kid really go yeah, for it. Yeah, it was cute. He was super confident. And I liked him as a person. I just hardcore judge his dream because I'm a judgmental, shitty person. And of I'm course. sorry. But, like, when I was eight years old, I never, ever would have done that. Oh, yeah. I didn't even oh, know God. how to use chopsticks. Oof, I did. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but the other important facet of this restaurant is that 
after you finish eating your bowl of ramen, they grade you on your performance, uh, which is entirely based on how much you eat. So if you finish the entire bowl and all of the broth, the guy comes over, and then after you yell out your dream, he goes, okay, and he got a perfect, and then everyone yells, perfect, in response. Um, and this creates a lot of pressure, this grading system. Um, especially because the restaurant has a reputation for being so... Well, I guess the reason why you would have this system is when you know your food is really hard to finish. Yeah. So like competitive eating kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is totally not my kind of thing. Yeah, me neither. I think I like the idea of it. I remember over spring break, there, w- there wasn't a hot dog eating contest, but I thought there was. And I was like, I'll do it. But now that I think about it, and I'm like, I think I'm just competitive, and I yeah. like food. So I was like, this sounds perfect. And I was like, no, like, I would not want to be in a hot dog. That sounds terrible. Yeah. I would like to sit and enjoy my 15 hot dogs at a nice, leisurely pace. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, speed... Well, I think I very naturally eat fast. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to work on that. I'm trying to take my time a little more because oh. then it works. It, it goes a little better. I like. I, I've always been really slow at eating. I think yeah. I get that from. Yeah. You have you noticed that? No, I'm just agreeing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say no because like I some people have pointed it out and like I just I got that from my mom. My mom eats even slower than I do and like I don't know. She used to always kind of say to my brother who ate very fast. She's like slow down, no one's chasing you. Yes, I've been told that a lot. Like, there's always going to be food, don't worry, like, about it. You don't have to compete for it and things like that. So I've just always been very slow. Well, I've noticed recently that I'll take one bite, and before I'm finished with that bite, I'll take the next one. I'm just Mm -hmm. like, that's too fast. (laughs) That's not how eating works. It's the wrong way to do it. Mm. So I've been trying to correct that behavior. So the menu is two items. You can get a regular size ramen, which has two slices of pork. You can get the larger size, which has five slices. And that's it. That's yeah, pretty simple. Yeah. And I feel like most people probably go for the regular, mm-hmm. which is still an unbelievable amount of food. Yeah, like it was straight up like piled on top. Yeah, it's like a mountain. Yeah, it literally was just like peeking out of the bowl. So that's not even like, because the bowl is pretty... I guess standard size for like a bowl of ramen, but like just like how hefty it is when it arrives in front of you. Yeah, you can't even get to the broth at first. Yeah, exactly. You have to like move it around, disassemble it, and choose what you have to put into your mouth first to make room for it. And then like on top of that is just like a giant like lob of garlic that the guy puts on after he goes, do you want any, like what is it, like garlicky, deliciously fragrant garlic? Yeah, <laughs> do you want any delicious garlic? I gotta say, I love that they make you decide whether or not you want garlic in front of the entire restaurant. Mm -hmm. I thought that was so much fun. I don't think anyone said no. There was one person I remember who said no. Really? And I was like, once again, I judge you. (laughs) Well, like, I think maybe if I didn't know better, my initial reaction would have been, oh, no, that's okay. Just because garlic, like, you don't want too much of it. But I had heard you'd need to get the garlic. Oh, yeah, well, like, I don't know. In my opinion, at least, garlic just makes everything taste better. Yeah. But I know some people complain, like, I don't know, I've had someone mention to me, they're like, oh, like, if I eat a lot of garlic, like, you know, Korean food has a lot of garlic. Mm-hmm. When I eat Korean food, like, um, like, my sweat for the next, like, two, three days just, like, smells like garlic. Yeah, I mean, that happens to me. Really? 
I have an immune. I think I have immunity to it because like I eat garlic every single day, pretty much. So a couple weeks ago, I just chopped garlic, and my hand smelled like garlic literally oh, yeah. for like four days afterwards. So I, I couldn't get rid of it. I kind of love it though. I don't think four days for me, but like yeah, because I, I chop a lot of garlic. I have like a big jar of peeled peeled garlic mm-hmm. in my fridge. That's just been like yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. Four days felt like a long time. And just every morning I would wake up and the first thing I would check is like, is the garlic gone? (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't do anything about it. But so you get this huge bowl of ramen, you get the garlic on top. And I have to admit, I was so excited. Mm. How did you feel going into it? I was so excited as soon as you texted me about doing this. Like, I yeah. told you, like, this was the highlight of my week. Like, I was like, this is what's going to get me you. through. Like, this is what I'm aiming towards. And I told you that I was, like, nervous about eating too much at lunch because I was like, you know, I heard it's, like, the challenge is to finish it. It's like, I don't want to do it. And I think, actually, I figured out where I went wrong because we were talking about, like, how I had coffee earlier. Yeah. And coffee, like, fills me up. Yeah. I got, I got a medium iced coffee at Dunkin'. That was a mistake, I think. I, I don't know. I'm just... We'll talk about it later, I guess, but I'm just so disappointed in myself afterwards. But initially, I was slightly intimidated once the bowl arrived, but I was very excited and, like, up for it. I thought I could do it. We had our, we kind of had our money on, you were, like, saying, I think you're the, you're going to be the one who's able to do it, and I did too. Yeah, I really, because I feel like whenever we've gone out, I've seen you, like, be able to eat a lot in one sitting. Yeah. I remember the time we went to Ramen Santuca, and, like, you got... Like, you finished your whole ramen, and then we went to another place afterwards, and you got chicken wings, oh, and yeah, I was like, I fuck yeah, Alyssa, like, this is so impressive. Ooh. Yeah, but afterwards, you guys were like, I'm good, and I was like, well, we're going for drinks, and if they have food there, I'm ordering Chinese yeah. food, and I ate all of the chicken wings yeah. afterwards, you're right. So I was like, oh, she could totally do this. Yeah. Um, I, honestly, for me, I took my first four bites, just strictly noodles and some of the bean sprouts. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's going to be an uphill (laughs) battle. Mm -hmm. Because I could just feel that I wasn't ready to eat that much at once. Yeah. Um, But then I just kept plugging away. Yeah, you really, like, soldiered on. You paced yourself really well, I think, as well. Yeah, I I feel like I did do a nice job pacing myself. I think I just, I mixed too many methods. I was like, you know, maybe I should go for the broth and make it look like it's less. Or, like, maybe they'll check on how much was in there. So I was just, I was very wishy-washy with it. I was you know, not consistent in the speed that I was going at, you know, it's just a just whole thing. It was very amateur of me. Well, I'll say this. I have a feeling that if you were going to try to finish the whole thing, the best way to do it would be to switch between, like, the broth and then everything else. Like, go back and forth. I feel like mm-hmm. if you ate everything and then tried to have all the broth, you'd feel really awful afterwards. Oh, yeah, because it's, like, so thick and, like, like meaty and like salty yeah no when I was trying to when I was going to like I'm just gonna try and drink all the broth I like finished all of my water because like it was just you needed water to wash it down because it was like uh, it was so good so fatty yeah Yeah. but like it was it was a lot yeah the salt levels I mean ramen always kind of dries me out a little bit Mm -hmm. this was unreal yeah next level so overall how would you place this in the ramen hierarchy like, of all the ramen you've eaten in your life. In my life. You don't have to, like, rank it against other places, but mm-hmm. did this... Subtracting the, like, experience part of the restaurant, how mm-hmm. did the ramen stack Yeah, up? as far as, like, the actual food itself went. Right. Um, definitely... Ooh, I'm actually going to a ramen pop-up shop this Sunday. 
Where? It's in Cambridge. You have to do reservation only. I can send you the Facebook link. But like, so <laughs> I, at least so far, I can definitely say that like, um, this is definitely the best ramen I've had in Boston. Yeah. For sure. Like actually I'll say the entire United States. I haven't been to a lot of ramen in the U.S. though. But no, like it it's, it's almost hard to judge because it's not very traditional. It's very different from what I've had in the past. Yeah. Like the broth itself is just like totally unique to this place, I think. And, like, the fact that, you know, they didn't do the egg, they didn't do, like, the nori or, like, corn or anything like that. It was just, like, straight, like, like soup, noodles, bean sprouts, and then, like, pork, of course. Yeah, a little bit of onion. Yeah, a little bit of onion in there, and then the garlic, obviously. Yeah. And so, like, um, but I just think it was really, really good. Like, we were talking about, it, was like, this is gonna be, like, this would be the best drunk food yeah. This is, like, comfort food. I would eat this on, like, a cold day and just yeah. do nothing. Yeah. Yeah, but eat. Yeah, I will say, it is, like, I don't know much about ramen as a whole. I mm-hmm. don't know if it's just all the places I go to do one thing and this one does another thing, or if it's really that different. But mm-hmm. when I picture ramen in my head, I don't picture a bowl that looks like that. Yeah, exactly, because, you know, everything's kind of, like I said, all the ingredients, they're nicely, like put into different sections and very organized and you know and then you can kind of mix it and whatever and um even the noodles were slightly different you can tell that they were handmade like in-house yeah which I'm always a huge fan of because I'm a I'm a noodle snob I guess but like well I think a lot of places around here get the pre-made noodles yeah of course and like a lot of them in Japan do that as well just because it's easier and it's a good way to standardize everything but like I don't know something about that makes them softer and I think they taste better so yeah. Handmade. Yeah, handmade tastes yeah. better. Yeah, because, like, in Korea, handmade is, like, a really big thing. Like, they don't really... In, like, noodle shops and stuff like that, they don't really get just, like, the store-bought kind or anything like that. Yeah, I was gonna... I think it made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Like, those noodles were unreal. Yeah, so good. For me, it's probably the single best bowl of ramen I've had in my life. Yeah. For me, like, definitely up there. Like, if anything, it would be, like, a very, very close second. Yeah. Yeah. What is the... Do you know the best? The best, like, I don't know, it's just, like, it has to be when I went to Japan. Yeah. But, like, I, it's, it's hard to separate it from the experience, because you're saying, like, just, like, on food alone, but the experience was, like, you know, I had been skiing with my family all day and stuff like that, and so, you know, you're cold and you're tired, and, like, you just, like, sit down and you have, like, a nice bowl of ramen. Yeah, well, I think that's ramen in general, the experience is yeah, important. Yeah, exactly. It brings people together. Yeah, and so it's just, like, I don't know, it's just very warm, comforting, and then being, like, feeling like you were in the authentic environment of the food as well I think really added to it yeah but yeah like for sure like this was absolutely amazing so I want you to describe how you felt while eating up to the point where you stopped eating (laughs) um like you said after like the first four bites my confidence just confidence just quickly dropped yeah I was like I did not I thought I knew what I was going in for but like I guess I really didn't and, um, but I was like, no, like, I can do it, I can do it, and just eventually, like, once my stomach started kind of hurting, and, like, I could feel my throat resisting swallowing, <laughs> like, that's when I was like, okay, Alyssa, you need to call it quits, otherwise you're gonna throw up at Steven's house right before you podcast, and, like, that's not a good look. <laughs> yeah, um, I think my favorite part was, like, we were both trying 
to get a good job at least. Yeah. And that, that was my goal was a good Mine job. Mine too, but I just, I realized that I wasn't going to do it without injuring myself. And like we both kept checking exactly how much food was left. Mm-hmm. Like you would take your spoon and your chopsticks and pull them all up, all the noodles and stuff up at once. Yeah. And just no matter what, it never seemed to get smaller. Yeah, it seemed like even when I thought that it did get smaller and I check again, suddenly there was like new stuff that wasn't there before. And I was like, yeah. no, that's not okay. Yeah, the bean sprouts, I think, were what killed me because mm-hmm. they just floated around in broth and just every, they would just come back up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. <laughs> More bean sprouts. Yeah. But I will say, like, I hit this point where I was like, oh, I might be done. And the next thing I knew, all the food was gone. Yeah. Like it disappeared. I had, I, I was actually really surprised too when I looked over because I remember I checked and then I was like, yo, Steven, like how much do you have left? Like for comparison. And I felt like you had like maybe a little bit less than me, but we were roughly on the same. And so like, I was feeling pretty good where I was like, okay. And we were both like, I'm so full. And I was like, okay, worst case scenario. I think me and Steven are going to be pretty close and I'm not going to feel bad. I'm going to have a comrade in this failure. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I look over and like, you finished everything but the, but like some of the broth. And I was like, Whoa. <laughs> I felt very proud of you, but a little bit betrayed if I'm going to be totally honest. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do no, it. No, I'm glad that you achieved your dream. <laughs> so, yeah, you tapped out first. Yeah. And we both agreed we were going to say a dream. Yeah, we did. So I'm, I recorded both of us oh, that's having, so our, <laughs> <laughs> having our bowls graded and yelling out our dreams. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to play it. Mm. Uh I just, I don't trust voice memos. Yeah, for like exporting the file and stuff. And just like ease of use, but let's see what happens. Is that on speaker? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. You, I can't, you, can, you can amp it up a bit, I think. I can't tell through my headphones. Oh, here we go. Yeah. All right, here we go. Whew. Okay, get ready for this. Oh, you got Dreamer! My dream is to make cartoons. Oh. Alright, and then we got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my dream is to get a perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so much shame. Get all those! Yeah, so let me explain what happened there. <laughs> The guy comes over, checks Alyssa's bowl, and he's genuinely not sure what grade she's supposed to get. Mm-hmm. He he t- he takes the chopsticks and he's like messing around to see how much food is in there, and he has to t- he has to pick up the bowl. Yeah, he like brought it back to the <laughs> he bag. He brings it to the kitchen and has someone else grade it for him. <laughs> so awkward. No, it's so bad too because like while we were there the whole time is. The other thing that was so stressful is it was so fast-paced. Like, everyone was eating so yeah, fast. Yeah, it seemed like people were really tearing through. Yeah, like, there was there was that guy who literally came in way after us, and he finished well before I even, like, decided to give up. And I was just sitting there, I was like, oh, my God. And there's, like, those people who were waiting. because so like, oh, yeah, the third row will be finished soon. Yeah, they like, brought in a new row that was just watching over us, basically. Yeah, and so I was, like, getting really nervous and stressed out about it because I was like, I was planning on sitting here for, like, 20 minutes more. And, like, yeah. obviously I don't want these people to stand here for so long. So I guess, you know, I, it would be better for me to rather than tough it out for the sake of my pride to let these people enjoy their meal. So, like, 
but yeah, so that was really stressful. And then the worst part for me was like that when they said, "Oh, we got an almost." No one had gotten that before. Everyone had just gotten <laughs> like a very. Gonna say that. No, yeah, everyone else had gotten a very good, and I was sitting there. I was like, "Oh my god," because I was hoping they would just give me the very good and feel bad for me, but they didn't. And you can hear in the recording that like only two people are like, "Yeah,", yeah. and then everyone else just goes. Oh, <laughs> and I feel like that's also kind of the story of my life so I feel pretty I don't know at least it encapsulates that yeah but I don't know it was they like they weren't they weren't mean about it it was no, sort of just sweet. the crowd I thought they had my back yeah but so then I, I kept eating a little more and I I watched you go through the almost, and I was like, I'm not gonna. That was like, yeah, you said that was your newfound motivation. You're like, suddenly I found some extra room (laughs) after seeing you be publicly shamed like that. So, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm plugging away, and then the same guy who graded you comes over, and I ask him if I'm, if I'm at good job status. He said yes. So then I just, I had to stop. Mm. It's like. I maybe could keep going in the moment, but I'll feel so much worse afterwards. Mm -hmm. So I uh, threw in the towel, (laughs) and let me play that for you guys. Oh boy. Yeah. All right, everyone, take your feet. Right, girl. We got Dreamer. Hi, everyone. Uh, Hi. My name is Steven, and my Hi, dream Steven. is to finally get my driver's license. Whoa. So I did it. Yeah. And I don't know, I felt real good. I'm glad that you did a good job. Yeah, it was really satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I I loved I liked yelling out my dream. I don't know if I ever go back, I don't know if I would do it again. Really? Yeah, because you've like already experienced it once, so like yeah. you don't know if you're gonna be like that one guy who now works there and it's his lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you gonna drop out of school and just work there and travel the world with your girlfriend with your joint bank account? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I will say this: that high quickly turned into a low after we left the <laughs> restaurant, and I just experienced untold levels of pain. So I was so full. Just suffering. I feel okay now. Yeah, I, I feel like you. I'm starting to wake up now. I yeah. feel better than I did at the beginning of this. Yeah, it's been a couple hours, but yeah. when we were first done, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I was straight up, like, trying to hide the fact that I was heavy breathing. <laughs> like, the whole walk to the um to Harvard to take the tea back to here, and also on the whole tea ride, where I was like, I think I need to sit down. <laughs> like, I'm glad we walked to help me digest, but I need to sit back down. Yeah, it was a real... Uh, it's cool when eating is also such a physical activity, I guess. Yeah, once again, I feel like I accomplished so much today without actually having done anything. <laughs> yeah, nothing, like, good for you. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> well, every episode of Man and Boston ends with a... Uh, with me and my guests giving our location a rating out of five shamrocks. 
Ooh. Five being something uh, you have to go to if you're in Boston, like you don't want to miss it, and one shamrock being something you should avoid at all costs. Ooh. So throw it a sham throw give Yume Wokatare a shamrock rating. Explain your rating a little bit. Okay. Are you gonna and give then, a rating as well? Yeah, but you go first. I have to go first. Yeah. I mean like I think that it's a five for me, but that's just personally also because, I don't know, for me when I travel or I go anywhere, it's all about food. And, yeah. like, this is definitely one of the best places that I've eaten in Boston in, like, the three years that I've been here. So for me, if I had someone who's coming here, I'd definitely recommend it to them, especially since there's just not a lot of good ramen places anywhere. And I love ramen, so... And this one's so unique. And it's so unique, exactly, that it has, like, a nice, like, quirk to it, a nice, like, draw to it. And so I definitely think it's, like, it's a, it should be a hot spot to go to. And it is. There was a huge queue when we got there. Yeah. When, yeah, I got in. The line still stretched down the block after however many years they've been open. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, five shamrocks. Yay, we agree! The very first thing to get five shamrocks on Van in Boston. <gasps> wow, I truly feel like a special You're guest. You're here for podcast history. Woohoo! But there's no way I couldn't give this five shamrocks. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the kind of thing Boston lacks. I agree. Quality. Mm-hmm. Warmth. <laughs> uh, just you feel good. <laughs> you feel accepted. Happiness. Yeah. Support. <laughs> yeah. I just I loved everything about it. The food was amazing. Mm-hmm. The dream thing. It's a little like, if you go in and you're gonna be cynical about it, then you're gonna think it's kind of silly. And that's how I treat most things. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, like people are smiling. Fuck that. <laughs> but I don't know. I think there's. When you get ramen in the mix, mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to be cynical. Yeah, I think eating food really does bring people together, and it's such like an experience of like love and relationship with people that yeah. like I think that that's like an easy way to make it feel much more intimate to feel silly standing up in front of people shouting your dream. That like the add of food and comfort food at that makes it just feel like a much better, warmer experience. Yeah, it's definitely the only restaurant I've been in where I've felt the urge to stand up and talk to the entire restaurant, Mm -hmm. which is an amazing thing. It's a brilliant concept. Yeah. And I guess that's why it's such a phenomenon. Yeah, and I mean, like, for some people, it's truly life-changing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it lives up to the hype in every way. Like, there's no way I won't be back at least once more before I take off. We should go again. At least, I don't know, you can go with other people as well, but I really want to redeem myself. Yeah, I think we should too. Yeah. Um, And see what happens. And maybe we can record another, like, 15, 20 minutes to recap the new experience. Yeah, so we can see how, if, like, you know, maybe the shininess wears off after the first time, and also, so I can get a perfect. Yeah, I think, I think I know what I have to do to get a perfect, and it's just fast oh yeah i'm not gonna eat yeah i'm gonna prepare for it like i prepare for when i go to buffet with my family yeah you don't eat at all except for you eat actually like a little bit in the morning because then it jump starts your metabolism which makes you hungrier yeah <laughs> really it okay we'll start training okay sounds good well that about does it for our conversation uh for this episode of band in boston thank you so much Alyssa. For donating your time. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. I hope it was worth the the time and effort and just embarrassment. Um, Definitely worth uh, five shamrocks. Hell yeah. (laughs) So, uh, if you're not subscribed on iTunes to Band in Boston, make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Rate us five stars. Uh, 
write a nice little comment. Tell at least one friend about the podcast. I'm still trying to become the most subscribed to podcast on the Light Switch Podcast Network, and time is running out, and last I checked, I am nowhere close to that number, so please don't let me down. Uh, and I hope you can follow your dreams too one day. Mm-hmm. After after we're done, I'm going to sign up for a driver's license test. Really? No. <laughs> And I also just want to apologize for the generally sleepy post-ramen tone of this episode. Because for me personally, this is, talking is a struggle, so. <laughs> no, I think it's very, like, um, ASMR. That's really popular right now. So it's just very soothing. Maybe someone will listen to this before bed. I hope I put my listeners to sleep. <laughs> All right. Have a good night, everybody. Hey guys, it's me again. Very excited to say that in a few short moments I will be talking to my dear friend Davis Wong. I'm going to call Davis up on the telephone and have a quick chat with him. Uh, just about whatever comes to mind. Davis a while back Facebook messaged me and said, Hey, cool podcast, man. And I said, thank you. And he said, I would love to record one on Neil Young. Which is interesting because it's not a music podcast. But that's okay because this is a special phone interview and we can talk about whatever we want. So we maybe, maybe we will talk about Neil Young. Uh, Davis got me into the album On the Beach, which is one of my all-time favorites. And then got me on a Neil Young kick that has lasted the rest of my life. And I I will say, I've spent about two weekends in the presence of Davis, so the amount of time we've spent actually speaking with each other has been brief, but he's made an indelible impression. I know there are a lot of people who are very excited to hear this conversation, so I'm going to call him up, and let's see what happens. Now, I just realized that I didn't give Davis my phone number, so we will be catching him off guard. Hopefully he realizes who it is. Hello? Hey, how's it going? Hey, Davis. What's up? Um, I gotta admit, I'm a little thrown off right now because at the moment I started calling you, I also started getting a phone call from my mom, which is not the way I wanted to start this off. Yeah, we're not the same person. Yeah, it's not quite what I was expecting. <laughs> I'm going to try and write her a text message while doing this. No problem. Uh, so, Davis, I wanted to tell you that our friend uh, Alyssa recently sent me your album, and I listened to a few songs off of it, and I really dug it. Yeah, you have a wonderful rock and roll voice. Thank you. I uh, I always appreciate compliments. Yeah. I, I hope I get more of them. How long have you and the band been together? Um. Well, you know, we've all been in high school together for a very long time, or we were all in school together for a very long time. Um, and we've all been friends for a very long time. But I guess the first the first time we played, the four of us was actually at our graduation ball 
after after we graduated, there was a dinner with all the parents and everything. And the day before, we thought it'd be fun to sign up and just play a bunch of covers of Rolling Stones songs. Oh yeah. Uh, and it was really it was a really good time. And so we would just you know play together for fun and you know like play open mic nights at bars and stuff uh, whenever we got a chance. Um, but we didn't really. I, none of us wrote any songs until I think summer 2015. And yeah. then, you know, that year we were all kind of just getting better and, you know, figuring out what we could do with it. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I wish there was a more, you know, concrete start date. But, you know, I've known Justin since I was nine, Johnny since I was 10, Ryan since I was 11. Um, which one is your of, favorite? Which one of the three is my favorite? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question, but not one that I'm going to answer. Cool, I like the candor. Uh, you mentioned the Rolling Stones. I've been developing a theory that I think the Rolling Stones were actually coolest in like the Some Girls disco era. I think Is that, that so? I think there's there's something about that album that's really really cool. I well, I think that you know. Not that their other stuff isn't cool. They're cool all across the board. But there's oh, no, something I, I'm about just like, I, I'm, you know, that I'm actually like, you know, thinking about that because I, you know, I'm a very large Rolling Stones fan. I think that, I think that's when they kind of started to, or that's like the culmination of their whole like rock and roll survivor cool, you know, being in the spotlight for 15 years and still making something that's so fresh and interesting and just like good yeah. and hard. Um, but I think that they kind of were archetypically cool, you know, on the 72, uh, tour of America. I think that's, that's like the culmination of their image as the Rolling Stones. Get but your yah you know, out. The Rolling Stones now have this, you know, caveat of like survivors. And I think that that's where the some girls part comes in. Yeah. And also the drugs, you know. Have you ever seen them uh, live? But yeah. I did actually. I, I did. I went with Justin, who is the guitarist slash producer um in our band we went uh during our senior year of high school uh and they were playing in macau so we bought our ferry tickets from hong kong to macau okay um we went over there we spent the day wandering the casino um we actually managed to sneak into the guest section of the hotel to take showers you know it's hong kong it's very hot uh wait and yeah we saw the stones they were fantastic yeah i've been trying to figure out whether or not i should go see them if I ever have, if there's ever another chance, you think I should? Yeah, I I would recommend it to everybody. I think it's just you know they're they're just like a defining rock and roll act, you know. Um, Mick Jagger's still got it. Keith Richards, uh, yeah, it seems like a quip, but I think he says that at almost all of the shows now when he comes out by himself to play like. Before they make me run, and a few other, and happy, and like a few other songs, comes out, you know, and swaggers out, and kind of says, as well, you know, this kind of, that kind of way. He says, uh, "It's good to be here. It's good to be anywhere, really." You know, and I don't know. It's like it's it's cool seeing um, what at least in terms of music and pop culture are the closest thing, the closest things that we have to like mythical figures. You know, and it's really cool seeing them on stage. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I love to see, I love to see legacy acts like that, and then be able to say, "Yeah, I got to see Paul McCartney," and uh, um, that's the only one I can think of right now that I've seen. 
Uh, and well, but then I, I saw Brian Wilson this summer, and that was one of the first times where I saw an old person, and instead of being really fun, it just made me very sad. So now I'm rethinking the whole thing. I think Brian Wilson is much more of a. I don't know. All those, all those like kind of. I, I would never call him an acid casualty because I don't know him and I don't know all of that. But at, at least you know that's that's a story that takes a very strange turn and not necessarily one for the better pretty early on, you know? Um, that's very true. And that was like 50 years ago. You know what I mean? Um, so I, there's a strange element to that. And also, you know, Brian was never like the, the star singer or whatever. And so I think seeing Brian Wilson solo wouldn't be nearly as good. Yeah. Um, maybe I fucked up. (laughs) I don't know. I would go see Brian Wilson. So, Davis, we ha- I haven't seen you in over a year. What have you been up to? What's been happening in the life of Davis Wong? Okay, so the last time I would have seen you would have been late March, early April 2016. Actually, um, it was more like Thanksgiving time 2015. Because oh. I wasn't in Boston last spring. Oh, yeah. right. It's you were in New York. It's been a long time. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That was that, a long that's time. That's a lot ago. of time. Jeez. So I guess just give me a couple highlights. Couple highlights. Okay. Well, well, the you know as as you mentioned, the album was a big one. That took up a lot of my a lot of my time and energy. Yeah. What was um, that like? Where did you guys record it? Uh. Well, we recorded in Hong Kong. We would go to kind of there's all these dingy rehearsal studios, kind of um, in the not as glitzy parts of Hong Kong. And we would hole up in those. We found uh, this recording studio as well that's pretty cheap that has a really good drum setup um, that we did a few sessions at. And then we would also record it at one of my friend's houses, like in the middle of nowhere. Not not the middle of nowhere. Any Hong Kong people listening, Kowloon Tong is not the middle of nowhere, but quite 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 out of the way of the other three members of the it's, band. It's no Repulse Bay. <laughs> exactly. It's no uh, it's no peak. Which is where our friend Cameron lives. Uh, yeah, no. So it was, it was all kind of. It was very. It was a very hectic time, um, and I wish I could tell you more about it, um, but I fear that some of the details may be incorrect. Oh boy. Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, I was also working in a, uh, at a bar at the time. So I would have to run off from a lot of recording sessions to go to go do that for the rest of the night. What'd you do there? At the bar? Yeah. I um I was either a bar back or I was a bartender on slower nights. How was that? Um in Hong Kong. That was really fun. That must be interesting. Yeah, there like I I'm I'm currently, you know, undergoing training to do, you know, work at a bar slash grill here in the States, in DC. Uh, and we had to do an entire four-hour session on like alcohol laws and serving alcohol and everything. Right. And those those regulations do not exist in Hong Kong in the slightest. Uh, yeah. So, besides the album, what's? I mean, I'm Davis. You get into so many shenanigans. I want to hear about the shenanigans. Really, I get into a lot of shenanigans. <laughs> Um, Maybe you don't see it that way. Fair. <laughs> um, 
God, shenanigans. Well, I, I, as you as you may or may not know, I was in New York uh, for spring break. Oh, everyone was, in New York knew, my man. Yeah, yeah, that was quite the time. That was very fun. Um, we were staying in Chinatown like we always do, um, and there were a lot of uh, people that passed through during our time. Uh, during our time there, God, shenanigans. What a word. Well, my favorite um, thing I've heard about, like, you and your friends, uh, like, vacation experiences, like spring break and Thanksgiving break and stuff, is that no one wants to put their card down for the Airbnb security. Oh, yeah, 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 no, no, no. yeah. We, I think we booked the place, like, six days before we got there. Yeah. I just know that caused a lot of infighting, which I find amusing. I think it's it's all kind of like a charade, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's like a pantomime. Yeah. In, in fight. Um, and I think everybody just, like, uh, enjoys messing with each other. See, that, that's the problem. That's how a lot of these shenanigans come up, is that people enjoy messing with each other so much that it then becomes... then it, Then it starts to interfere with the actual, like logistical integrity of the trip you know uh you know like as a joke somebody will say that they're not going to go outside during that day and then they'll actually refuse to go outside during that day i don't know if that actually happened but that would be an example of something i could see happening or like somebody i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name and shame but somebody threw a like a tissue a a tissue paper on the floor of the airbnb and then claimed that they were not going to pick it up and then just did not pick it up, so there was just one piece of tissue on the floor that everybody refused to clean up for days. So even after you guys, like, restored it, uh, like, cleaned up the rest of the mess, was the tissue paper still there? No. Dean Dean Dias arrived from the West Coast uh, after we'd already been there for two and a half days, and he he kind of got things ship-shape a little bit for a few hours before it kind of devolved again. It was a good time. Um, I wish you'd I wish you'd uh, stop by. Yeah, I wish I had the opportunity to. It was just I was running around myself, but probably not having as much fun as you guys were. <laughs> um, but so you've been to Boston a few times now. What's your opinion of it? Um. Also, the first time you visited was it when you visited your friends at Emerson? No. Okay. So. Um... I have relatives that live in Cambridge, oh, which okay. I'm sure there's an entire argument that goes on as to whether or not that's part of Boston proper. I, I don't know, but uh, no, I visited the city a couple of times when I was when I was really quite young. Um, but you know, I was, I was, I, this is like you know basically pre pre conscious memory, young, you know, five years old or so. Right. Might remember like a snippet here or there, um, but. I, I no, I I did a college tour with my father when I was fifteen, sixteen, somewhere between sophomore and junior year of high school, and we stopped in Boston that time, and we you know we did a couple touristy things, but not that many. Um, but no, I hadn't really you know kind of. I, I'm not much of a touring kind of person, you know. I kind of like right. to set up in one area and then see what that area is like and, you know, kind of do that rather than exhaust myself running around a city. Yeah, hitting all the um, sites. Yeah, just because, I don't know. Yeah, I get uh, that. 
then it's it, then it's kind of like you know you're you're like at a museum or something like that instead of you know experiencing the like the, experiencing the city in a way that like people who live there would experience it I guess right so you show up to Emerson you you get in the dorms and then it's like okay I'm gonna put myself in the role of an Emerson student for a few days. Exactly. I'm gonna go to the max. Is that is that what it's called? Yes. <laughs> uh, I go to the DH with Lao. Um, uh, you hide from the RAs. <laughs> uh, oh, geez, that reminds me. The first night you were there, uh, our RA knocked on the door, and your first instinct was to take all of your clothes off and put a kimono on. Yeah, I feel like I didn't make the best impression on you guys the first time that I came out. Well, that's definitely not what an Emerson student would do. So, the role I had just had an experience at my school a few months before where... I I, So, my freshman dorms had really thin walls, and I lived literally right next door to my RA. And she said that she was going out of town for the weekend. Um, So, you know, this is a tiny dorm or whatever, but I had a friend staying for the weekend, and... We had some friends over, and, you know, we were drinking beers, and, uh, I guess by the end of the evening, the beers kind of piled up, and we decided that it'd be really fun to play guitar at 1.30 in the morning in the freshman dorms. Yeah. Uh, and so me and my Georgetown friends got rocked, but because he did not go to Georgetown, he, he got, a uh, he got off scot-free. <laughs> and so I knew that nothing could happen to me at all. Uh, and... I don't know. I, I guess I have like a I have an instinct to whenever I'm put in a situation that already seems ridiculous to make it as ridiculous as possible. Right. Uh, yeah. So that's where that came from. Well, I wouldn't say you made a bad first impression. I would say there were some of us who were taken by surprise. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I know what you mean. But overall, I, just, uh, I loved it. I'm glad to hear that. All for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, of all the cities you've been to in the U.S., do you have a favorite? Is it Boston? Well, I could see myself living in Boston. And, in fact, I will be living in Boston this summer. Really? Um, yeah, I'm going to be staying at 62 Boylston. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. And Johnny's going to be living there as well. So watch out in case you guys didn't know that. That's going to be a thing. Is it just the two of you, or are Austin and Joseph sticking around as well? Allison's going to be there as well. Oh, cool. Are you guys all living uh, in that one apartment? Yeah, and in the same room, too. There's oh, only two beds, shit. so we got to figure that out. Yeah. Um, I'll probably share with Lau, because I don't like sharing beds with Johnny. That's right, Johnny. Yeah, and Lau is just yeah. more cuddly type. Yeah. We have our issues, but Johnny spoons people in his sleep. He, like, puts his leg over them. It's kind of annoying. Uh, Which is a fun fact for all future Island Line fans out there. Uh, Can put that in the trivia book. What motivated that decision to come spend the summer here? Um, I think none of us wanted to spend, you know, just three and a half months in Hong Kong. Yeah. Again. That's what we did last summer, and it was a great time, and, you know, we did the album, I did like all sorts of things but it's really exhausting uh boston's a great city oh god i didn't even answer your question um 
Yeah, Boston's a great city. You know, being able to like live with friends and see friends, and Johnny and I will be able to work on music. We've got some friends who are going to be staying at Berkeley College of Music over mm-hmm. the summer, so that'll be that'll be really fun. To get back to the question, though, my favorite city in the states, Boston is up there. Okay. I just. I just, as you said, I show up, I go into the dorms, and then I live like an Emerson student, except the Emerson student that I'm emulating is, you know, Alison Lau. Yeah, so who has never I kind left of, the uh, dorms. Kind of, you know, live life in his shoes, walk a mile. Yeah. Uh, You're a little closed off. <laughs> uh, Alison and Joseph. <laughs> so what's the favorite? The people are dying to know. I'd harbored kind of like a weird grudge against New York for a while. Yeah. Um, not I because feel it's like everyone, not a great city. Everyone uh, I know from Hong Kong has said that. Yeah, we're all absurdly nationalistic, and I think it kind of, or not national, it was just very, whatever the word patriotic would be for a special administrative region. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, the fact that New Yorkers are so, uh, they um, rep their city so hard. Yeah, kind of makes us uncomfortable because it's like, hey, that's our thing, you know what I mean? Like, how dare you? Yeah, Hong Kong. Uh, and kids. plus, there's there there's often I feel like kind of a vibe that is totally unfair of me to you know diagnose or whatever. They're like, wow, we made it. We're finally in New York. This is where dreams come true and everything. You know, where I relate. Um, yeah, no, I mean, but that's the thing. It is, and it's because it is, you know, a really great city. It's just very expensive, and that. That's kind of annoying, I suppose. But New, New York, you, you couldn't really leave that out of the discussion. I also have a soft spot for San Francisco. That, um, that seems like your kind of town. Having yeah, never so, been there? Yeah, I went a lot more when I was younger. My mo- One of my mother's best friends and former roommates uh, lives out there. Um, lives out in San Francisco, so we'd go visit them quite often. When I was when I was younger. Yeah, I would love to check it out. I'm uh I'm gonna be on the West Coast next semester, so I figure at some point I will make my way down to San Francisco. Or up, I guess. I guess that's northern California. Oh, I'm not off to a good start. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't know. California's cool. But, but I don't know. Seems very uh. Like there's a lot of taxes. Yeah, well, don't get me started on taxes. But before we uh, sign off here, Davis, I mentioned I did a little intro before I called you. Uh, sure. And I mentioned that the impetus for this call was a few months ago. You sent me a very nice Facebook message, and you said, "Cool podcast, man." And then that sounds you said, like something I read. You said I would love to record one about Neil Young. Ooh, I really would. So out of should... curiosity, what time of day did I send that? You know, I don't know. You want me to find it? Eh, it's, it's not important, but uh, I, I'd be curious. I'll find I've been it. Keeping odd hours lately. I'm a little curious. Curious too. I think this was back in November. Oh, okay. Here it is. December nineteenth, seven forty-five p.m. Which means if you were in Hong Kong already, it would have been 7.45 a.m. Huh. December 19th? Yeah. Uh, and this was... 
745. No, this was, I was still in D.C. Still in D.C.? Okay, then that's not so unreasonable. I think I was studying for finals at the time. Or? Yeah, probably studying, listening to Neil Young. <laughs> yes, actually, that's, that would make sense. That's, I would say, uh, very probable guess. But yeah, I would love to do a podcast about Neil Young. I, um. What can I, I say? I hope one day we can realize that opportunity. But in the meantime, do you have a favorite Neil Young song? Can you boil it down to just one? Um, if we're going studio album? Yeah. Oh, I've got three answers because I can make three technically different categories. That's if we're talking perfect. studio album recorded in the studio, I would say Ambulance Blues off on the beach. If we're talking quote-unquote studio album of live performances, I would say Thrasher. Thrasher, um, yeah. Off Russ Never Sleeps, just because I think those are the best lyrics. I don't know why I like Ambulance Blues so much. I like how it keeps like seeming like it's building up to something and then just kind of coming back down again yeah. for nine minutes. That's sort of uh, that whole album. That's the magic of it. Yeah, I, I, I could talk for days about On the Beach. Um, but then if I was talking about real, real you know, live recording... Um, it would be the medley of Man Needs a Maid and Heart of Gold off Live at Massey Hall. Wow, three terrific answers. It, for me, it would probably... Thrasher is like a really strong candidate. It's hard to uh-huh. imagine topping Thrasher, except maybe with Powderfinger. Powderfinger's good. Yeah. I feel like you could make an argument for Cowgirl in the Sand. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can make a really strong argument for Cowgirl in the Sand. I really also like Roll Another Number, and I, I th- it's not that it's you know the most anything really. I just like that song a lot. Oh, you know what um, one I really like? Uh, uh, everybody knows this is nowhere. Yep, that is fantastic. It's like it's I, interesting how the best Neil Young songs are either barely over two minutes or like nine minutes long. And I think it's also such an interesting contrast between him and Bob Dylan, you know, like the two people who are kind of mentioned in the same breath or whatever, is that, you know, writing songs about or that involve girls that they want to see that, but they don't admit it. You have Bob Dylan writing Mama, You've Been On My Mind, which, you know, like twists and turns through like first perspective and second perspective and like all these different like everythings. And then Neil Young just says, there's a woman that I'd like to get to know. Yeah. You know. And just, like, the difference in the way that they kind of communicate those things. Yeah, that's the thing about Neil. The simplicity, the directness. That's what it's all about. Exactly. He doesn't beat around the bush. Yeah, very concise. Which I think is something to strive towards. Well, Davis, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking a little time out of your evening to do this. Anytime. I told a group of your friends that we were going to be recording this phone call and I've never seen people more excited to listen to my podcast I'm sure for many of them it will be the first listen so thank you for that I'm a man of the people Uh, where can people find your album oh thank you Um, uh, at the island line the as in the island no that's a really dumb way to do it it's the island (laughs) line dot bandcamp Dot com, theislandline.bandcamp.com. Um, I'll put, I'll it, put it in the description for you. Pardon me? I'll put the link in the description. Thank so you so much. There's no confusion. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much, man. I hope we get to hang out in person soon. Oh, yeah, I'll be there in a week and a half. Really? Yeah. Perfect. Well, I'll mm-hmm. see you then.
Take it easy. All right. Have a good night, dude. Bye. Oh, I got to tell you guys, I needed that. Today, one of those days where you just want to reach out to loved ones, people you haven't spoken to in a while. Just want to make a connection. Gotta say, if I had a a dollar for every time I googled appendicitis symptoms or what side is the appendix on, my student loans would be toast. So that's the kind of mood I'm in today. And on that note, that about does it for today's episode of Bannon Boston. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, make sure to keep listening so we can finish strong. All right. I'll talk to you guys later.